God even used a donkey when he wanted to share his word. So if he can use a donkey, he can use someone like me. Kind of look like a donkey. We'll talk about me eating a little donkey food in Mexico. I think we ate donkey here. But I'm not sure. So that's what makes me look a little bit more like a donkey. Just a, a couple of words to, to encourage you guys. Um, continue to, to ask God for his guidance. Continue to. I know that as young people, um, we worry and we get concerned about what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, as, as Christians, you're always going to be looked at. Oh, let's see what the Christian's going to do. I tell you from my job, they always look at me and say, oh, What's he going to do now? I encourage you to do things right in front of God and you'll be right in front of man all the time. So, just a, a word of encouragement. Um, search for the Lord. Ask for his guidance. God is not a God of confusion. So, if you're confused, you don't know, stay put. And ask for his guidance. He guided his people, a plow. During the day, in a fire at night, he guided his people. His people already knew where he was going. So if you're confused about whatever, about slavery, about work, about relationships, if you're confused, stay up fast. And that's where he I promise you, he will guide you the rest. If we do things on our own, if we want to follow our, our strategy, that's when we make mistakes. That's why, but if you, if you let him guide you, if you let him steer you in the right way, I promise you, everything will, will, will be perfect. God bless you. I don't want to take up my more glory. God bless you guys. I'm available. Please come up to me. If you guys have any questions, please come up to me. Don't be sorry. Chapter 2, verse 9. Please don't look at it. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. I'm speaking to them people who have been church for at least one year, two years, three years. You've been coming to Sunday school, so you know. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So most Linaje. to generation. There's a problem today, though. Today, the generation 
of the Lord, the young people of the Lord, those whom the Lord has saved. When the scripture says from generation to generation they will proclaim your name, Lord, from this generation to the next generation, then the next generation comes and they grow and they proclaim your name, then the next generation comes, they grow and they proclaim your name, the next generation comes, they from generation to generation they will proclaim your name, but there's a problem. This generation is not growing fast enough. Oh, you are. You're growing in looks. You're certainly not the same child you were when you were born. You're growing in stature. You're growing in strength. But growing in the Lord? Growing in the strength of the Lord? Being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you would proclaim the virtues of the one who has saved you and called you into his light, out of darkness into his light. There's a problem with today's generation. You're not growing fast enough. So what happens in the church, it, it becomes like a steroid booster. You know what steroids are, guys? Where guys want to grow faster than, than really taking the time to build muscle so they run to the steroids. And they get, they get all pumped up and all of this, and they think it's real growth, and it's not real growth. We do that spiritually, too, because somehow we, we, we learn a couple of verses here, or we train on a certain theme here, and so then we can, or, or maybe we learn about this act of service in scripture, I, I'm sorry, in the local church. Okay, we'll sign up for this, and as long as you're signed up to do this duty, you're growing. Great job. That's steroids. Let me tell you, that's steroids. Whenever we replace relationship with service, that's steroids. Spiritual steroids, and it's dangerous. If we are serving more than we are growing spiritually, it's steroids. Be careful. Watch out. You're going to end up spiritually in a hospital. You get it? It's not the way God had it. God had it that he would take his 12 that he had called, and the scripture says he called them to himself before he would ever send them out for service, before he would ever have them into the many needs of the many people, before he would ever have them speak the word of God, he first drew them to himself. And the problem with today's generation is that you're not growing fast enough. You're not growing in the right way. It's dangerous. So it's the last time I'm going to be able to share with you. So you're seeing my tone. I don't have a lot of jokes to share with you. I don't have a lot. I don't even have a lot of time today. They said we have less than an hour, and I want to share with you a word that is just on my heart this morning, and, and, and it's a serious word. So it's a serious tone with you. I'm going to invite you this morning, if you would open your, open your Bibles with me, go with me to John chapter 12. 
perpetuamente cantaré las misericordias del Señor, con mi boca daré a conocer tu fidelidad de generación en generación. From generation to generation, the scripture says. The Lord would have it that the next generation would come. Today's message is titled, The Next Generation. Where is the next generation? Well, I'm speaking to some of them. I'm speaking to the next generation. Are you growing fast enough? If I was to ask you guys for your baby pictures, a baby picture when you were six months old, and I was to put up here on, a, on, the, on the screen, let's say, every one of you, your baby picture, would you look like that person with the person next to you and say, oh yeah, sure, that, yeah, that, that's Ruth. Yeah, I, I, I know that one. But would, you, would you be able to figure out who each one of you were? Do you look the same way? Probably not. Why do we look the same way spiritually? <clears throat> Why have we been sitting coming together, having youth retreats, having times in the Word, being exposed to the Word of the Lord. Why do we look the same spiritually? Today's generation isn't growing fast enough. Still babes. I wasn't here with you yesterday, but I understand that the Word came from 1 John chapter 2. And 1 John chapter 2 speaks of little children, and then, what? Young men, and then, fathers, Spanish, hijitos, jóvenes. Something happened. Girls, go with me here. When we, when we were little, do you remember what we always carried with us? What did we always have with us? Anybody remember? We always had our dolly and our baby. Do you remember our baby? And then we had our baby, and we look at the little kids today, they have their babies. The girls have their babies. There came a point where we grew up enough that we put down our babies. Did we carry, we carry a baby anymore? Baby doggirls? We don't, do we? You know what we do? We carry selfies. Because it all comes about us. We don't even think that the reason that God made us who we are is so that we then would be the next generation. And then that there would come from us another one. And there's the next generation. Something happens in our growth that we become so self-centered, so selfish, that we forget that the reason why God made us who we are is so that then we would proclaim his faithfulness and the next generation would come and they would proclaim his faithfulness. We put down the baby dolls and we became selfish. I'm not trying to tell you to go out and buy a cabbage patch doll. I'm not going there with you. I'm just trying to tell you guys the importance of remembering that you are a generation right now to grow up because from you will come another generation that will serve the Lord if you are serving the Lord. But if you are a selfish generation, what will come from you 
will be your generation that is so far apart from the Lord. Why are you living? What's the purpose of your life? This generation is not only not growing fast enough, but it's growing wrong. It's growing up so self-centered, the me generation that we talked about yesterday, so focused on me and my desires and my ambitions and what I think and my feelings. And, and it's me. It's the selfie generation, guys. It's the Facebook, and you understand what face represents. My face, my desires. It's all about me. There's no connectivity with anybody else. After all, we sit at a table and everybody has their cell phones and everybody is just on their own thing. It's the me generation. You're not even thinking about marriage. This is a generation that's not even, you're thinking about a relationship, you know what? For sex, that's about me too. That's not about the next generation. You're not growing fast enough. You're not growing committed enough. It's dangerous. Because God would have it that the next generation would come. There will be another generation. God would have it that the next generation comes. And there will be a generation that either proclaims the name of the Lord, and there will be a generation that does not proclaim the question is, are you a chosen generation? Do you form part of a chosen generation? I ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 12. Because this next generation needs to grow committed enough to the Lord. It needs to grow fast enough, and it needs to grow committed enough. I didn't dwell on growing fast enough because yesterday you spoke about those three stages. You need to grow in the Lord. You need to grow, grow through his word. You need to grow through prayer. You need to grow, yes, in service, but service is not where it begins. It begins in the presence of the Lord, drawn unto him. You see, the Lord does something to bring our commitment level stronger. Make no mistake about it. God wants a committed people. And the reason that God wants a committed people is because he's so committed to us. Think about how committed God is to our life. How much did he give for you, everyone? A little bit? He's so committed. He surrendered everything for us. How committed is he? And because of that commitment for our life, he also draws us into a committed relationship with him. God doesn't do anything half-heartedly. God doesn't do anything with half of a devotion. So this is what he does. He goes into the house of half-committed people. Do you remember the life of Nicodemus? Do you remember that? You see this story in, in the Gospels where it was, I believe it was in the book of John, where Nicodemus came to the Lord by night. He didn't do it in the plane of day. He did it by night. He was scared, but he was still coming to the Lord. But it was half-hearted. He did it by night, and he came to the Lord, and he asked the Lord a question about eternal life. 
And the Lord spoke to him, not about half commitment. He didn't whisper, oh, since you're here by night, let me just talk to you about this real private life. He said, you know what? You must be born again. You want eternal life? You want to come and follow me? You must be born again. It was about a whole devotion to the Lord. Let, look, Nicodemus, you can't continue following me your way. You can't continue following after God in this way. It has to be a total rejuvenation of who you are. Well, do you remember um, that one who climbed the sycamore tree? Anybody remember that man? He was a short man. Remember the name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, that's right. Zacchaeus. He went up to the sycamore tree, this short little guy, because he wanted to just kind of like see Jesus. The Bible said he wanted to see Jesus. You might say, that's awesome of Zacchaeus, and I'm going to tell you, that's half-hearted. Because all he wanted to do was see Jesus. How many of us just want to see Jesus? But we're not asking the Lord to change our life. We're not asking the Lord to transform our life. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus went straight up to that tree. And he looked up in that tree and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I must go to your house today. That's how amazing our God is. He looks that we are half-hearted towards him, but he is going to enter into that half-hearted generation and he's going to say, I want full commitment from you. And with those examples, I can tell you many examples. What about the life of Esther? Do you remember in the Old Testament? There's Esther called by God. There's Esther, this orphan Jewish girl called into a, into a palace and she becomes queen. And you would say, you know, she's a Jewish woman in a, in a very pagan society, but God is allowing her to become queen. Isn't that commitment? And I'm going to tell you, no, it's not. It's half-hearted commitment. Do you know why it's half-hearted commitment? Because when it came down time to, for the point for her to lay down her life, she was like, uh, look, God's called me this far. And her, remember Mordecai? That uncle of hers said, listen, if, if, if you don't follow fully committed to the Lord, the Lord's going to raise up another one. And some of us are just really satisfied in the place where we're at coming to Sunday school, serving in certain capacity. Yeah, they know in school that I'm a Christian. Yeah, I don't do what they do. I don't follow that group of people. I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I can throw out the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's not growing committed enough, and that's not growing fast enough. That's not what God wants from your life. How about if Jesus would have said, I'm just going to have to give my life for you. Or I'm just going to come from heaven to earth just a little bit so you can see my glory and then I'm going to go back. What if he says, I'm not going to give my life for you? Where would you be today, young people? Where would I be today? God wants a committed people. And I look at this passage where you're at right now. And I look at John chapter 12. And I look at verse 26. And my heart is stirred. The word of the Lord begins to operate in my life. It says in verse 26, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. 
Now, I'm just going to do this for a second. What is your name again? Solomon, I like that name, okay. So Solomon, here we go, let me, let me use you. If Solomon serves me, let Solomon follow me. If Rachel serves me, let Rachel follow me. Do you see what the, what the connotation is here? It is so easy to try to serve God in certain ways, but following wholeheartedly after the Lord Man, guys, there's busy Martha. Martha, you know, taking up the broom. Martha, cooking the food. Martha involved in this. But when it came to wholehearted following after the Lord, she wasn't. Mary had chosen the better portion. There's a commitment level in this age and time that gives just enough. And we think that we're throwing God for a loop, and we think that God's content with us because we're doing just this much. And God is looking at this generation and saying, let me tell you, I want your heart. I don't want your actions, and I don't want your presence in a place. I want your heart. I want to move you from your house to my house. I want to take you from your ways to my ways. I'm going to put in you from your thoughts to my thoughts. I want your ambitions to be replaced with my desires. It's a pretty high calling. That's why Peter and Paul said, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God, which is in whom? Christ Jesus. It's a high calling. It's not a low calling. It's not an easy calling. It's not an earthly calling. It's a high calling. But that's embarrassing. But I'm not smart enough. But I don't know enough. But I'm too weak or I'm too shy. Or somebody else can do it better than me. Do you hear all the excuses? Have I gotten one of your excuses yet? I'm not old enough. I, I, I don't. My parents are doing that. I'll do it when I'm married. I'm not married yet. Do you hear all the excuses? God is looking at this generation and saying, hey, generation, stop the excuses and come and follow me. From generation to generation, his name will be proclaimed. God will preserve for himself a generation. And the question today is, are you part of that next generation? Because you either form part of the generation that is following wholeheartedly after God, or you are forming part of a generation that is not. Wholeheartedly or not. If it's half-hearted following after God, that is not wholehearted living. So you would be counted with the world. And that's a really scary thing for me. That's a scary thing for my life. We just read verse 26. Did you put your name in there? If 
Gloria serves me, let Gloria follow me. Would you do it with your name for just a minute? Now go with me to the verses right before that, verse 23. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The hour has come. It's time. It's now. It's not that it will come. It's not that it's tomorrow. The hour has come. It's now. So the Lord is saying to this generation, It's here and it's now. Keep reading. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Just to let you know, right there, it's talking about death. We are called to die to ourselves and live unto God. How do I know that? Look what it says in verse 25. Here you go, here you go. This is where you start underlining young people. He who loves his life will what? Will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world, that's here and now, that's right this minute, here, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If we reject everything about us, and if we die to ourselves, the Lord will give us eternal life in Him. It's so serious. It, it's such a serious tone of what the Lord's called us to come to. I won't take you there because you probably know the passage, but in 2 Timothy, remember that Timothy was a young man who was serving the Lord. Anybody remember who his spiritual father was? To Timothy, the spiritual father to Timothy? Paul. So Paul knew Timothy from the time that he was a child. And apparently we have some history that Timothy would travel with the apostle Paul. And as he would travel with the Apostle Paul, there came a point where Timothy's life grew to the point where Timothy was even left as a pastor in a certain region. Well, Paul then wrote some letters to Timothy. One of those letters is called what we call 1 Timothy, the first letter to Timothy from Paul. The second letter is called, what do you think? The second Timothy, or second letter of Timothy. Paul, to Timothy from Paul. And there, he's writing these letters in 2 Timothy, and in the last chapter, Paul says this to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, careful, remember somebody. Remember, well, to you and I, we don't remember this dude. We don't even know anything about him. His name is Demas. Remember Demas? He forsook the Lord. He's no longer serving the Lord. He's following the You mean you can start out on the right path and then get off course? Yeah? You mean you can really start out wholeheartedly and say, Lord, here I am, here's my life, I don't want to serve anybody except you, and then all of a sudden get distracted and go straight into the world? Yeah. I think about the story of Lot, Abraham's <coughs> nephew, remember? We have that story in Genesis. Abraham left with his wife, but you know who else he left with? This little nephew, this little dude called 
So they, they, there's Lot by association of his uncle Abraham, and they're going together, and there comes a point where Lot gets tired of living this life of faith, and he chooses, the, he looks with his eyes, and he chooses the best place where his eyes would see. What was that place finally called? What could we find out? What was it called? Anybody remember? Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what Lot chose. And you might say, wow, you know what? Remember the story, Gloria. I mean, God's mercy over Lot's life. You bet. God's mercy over Lot and his wife. And how many daughters did he have? Two daughters, that's right. And so here comes here come the Lord through the, 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 the manifestation of the Lord to Lot's life. And let him Lot, get out. Let's go. Let's go. There's going to be rain. There's going to be, it's going to be fire rain. I mean, it's a really serious thing. Let's go. Do you remember what Lot tried to do? Come on, let's just spend some time here. It's going to be okay. There came a point in your recent footage. He came at a point where he was grabbed. The Bible says he was grabbed by the hand. He was grabbed by the hand and pulled out. That's how great the mercy of the Lord is. Lot wanted to stay there. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. You can take Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. But if Sodom and Gomorrah remains in your heart, that's going to be the next generation. Do you remember what happened after that? Do you remember the story of Lot? Lot, his wife, and his two daughters leave. His wife turns around and turns into a pillar of salt. Now Lot is in another remote place. He's there, saved by God, and he's sitting there, and he has his two daughters. And what happens? Anybody remember? The next generation is going to come. How is the next generation going to come? Each one of his daughters sleep with him. Each one of his daughters sleep with Lot. They become pregnant. This is where we lose it. The next two generations from each one of those daughters are the Moabites and the Ammonites. And we're like, huh? Moabites and Ammonites, two of the enemies of the people of God. Generation to generation, generation to generation, generation to generation, generation to generation. You see, they were taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but as Sodom and Gomorrah remained in their heart, what you sow is what you will reap. And we think that, no, no, I'm young. We think, no, I have time. We think, no, let's take it easy. That is the lie that the enemy is saying to you, young people. No, no, I'm only 14. No, I'm only 17. No, I'm going to college now. No, I'm just going to get my degree. Then, well, maybe when I get married. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And we're swallowing it. And we're believing it. And we're thinking it's okay. And then he distracts us with stupid stuff like social media. And we listen to the social media and we just waste hours and hours and hours on top of time. I'm going to tell you something. There was, I went to a place once and there was a young lady who asked me, you know, my pastor doesn't let us go to the movies. And, and what do you think about that? 
And when I ask you a question, then people, you might not go to the movies. I don't know if you go to the movies or not, but I'm going to ask you what movie is playing in your head. What movie is playing in the quietness of your bedroom? Even if you don't have a television in your bedroom. Where is your heart? Because somebody can help you by saying, hey, don't go to the movie theaters. It's a lot of garbage over there. You might be able to be drawn to church, but some of you right here, right now, may be having the most seductive thinking. But look where you're at. It makes no difference where you're at. It makes a difference where your heart is. Think about it. There's one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, Judas himself. He was brought unto the Lord. The Lord drew him unto himself. He heard all of the teaching. He was in every single one of those evangelistic campaigns. He was right there in the ministry of our Lord. And he was the one who sold Jesus. Because it doesn't matter where you're at physically. It doesn't matter any of that. It matters where your heart is. It matters the devotion of your heart. Do you think that the Lord knew where Judas was at the entire time? Do you think the Lord knows where you're at and where I'm at? Why does he say, many will say, Lord, Lord, in the last day, I've served you. Look at the many things I've done in your name. But the Lord will respond to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. Do you remember that passage? Why does the Lord make emphasis on that? Because he doesn't care the many things that we do. You're, I'm talking to you from a pastor's kid's perspective. I'm talking to you from somebody who I can't even count how many meetings I've been in in my life. How many countries I've visited. How many places I've gone to. It makes no difference. He doesn't need me. I need him. I need him. And there is a generation who will proclaim his name who is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, who was called out of darkness and into his light. And that's the question of this generation. Are you in the light and are you growing in the Lord? Are you growing in Him? Where's your heart, young people? I'm going to share with you something because I think we only have a few more minutes. I want to share with you about three chairs. And, and this is not original. I, I, I saw this symbol once and the Lord just ministered it to my heart so many years ago that it stuck. And I've had the privilege of growing in this illustration in things that the Lord has shown me and I want to share that with you this morning. The scripture very clearly speaks about a first generation, a second generation, and a third generation. It speaks about the fathers, and then it speaks about the, their sons, and then it speaks about their grandsons. In other words, three different generations, and for this I'd ask you to go with me to Joshua chapter 24.
Joshua, Josué, capítulo 24. And when you see this passage, it's really quite amazing. You'll remember that yesterday we were talking about Moses when all the people of Israel were down and they said, Joe, talk to Moses, don't talk to us, talk to Moses and then Moses will tell us. Well, Moses went up to the mountain and he received, but there are two passages in scripture that say that Joshua went up as well. Does anybody remember who Joshua was labeled as? As Moses is what? Anybody remember? In one passage it says that he was Moses' servant, and in another passage it says that he was Moses' assistant. In fact, do you remember the one time when Moses went up, and then when he was up for those 40 days and 40 nights, the people of Israel got so very bored and they got so very discouraged that Moses stayed up there? Do you remember what they did down here? They made a what? Do you remember what I'm talking about? A golden image? Well, the Bible says in that story that Joseph, uh, that, that Josue, um, Joshua, was up with Moses. It says that he stayed halfway up. In other words, he was an assistant to Moses. It's an amazing it's an, it's an amazing part that God gave to Joshua to follow after God. He wasn't going to follow like the people were following. He was following after God. He might have been called Moses' assistant, but in reality, his heart was for the Lord. That means a lot to us. In a generation where there are so many that are doing the other, narrow is the way or broad is the way. There are two ways, narrow and broad. How many people are in the narrow way? What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 7? How many people are in the narrow way? Few. How many people are in the broad way? Many. It also says this, the narrow way is difficult. The broad way is what? Easy. Joseph took the narrow difficult, where they were very few. Here's the truth of the matter. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're probably going to walk alone. That's the truth. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you're probably going to have a very lonely life. But you are going to be so fruitful probably going to have those around you who look at you and say, I don't get you. Christians themselves will look at you and say, and maybe do some name calling, goody goody, oh, he's just trying to be, oh, she's, oh, well, you know, she, you know, it's okay, it's okay. And all of these underlying comments, it's bad enough what the world does, but in the church of God, Joseph, I'm sorry, I keep saying Joseph, you don't want to Joshua, he walked alone. Yeah, there came a point where Caleb and Joshua, but if you look at the life of Joshua, he really, he stood apart. 
Look in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the what? The gods, which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. And then it says here with an exclamation point. Does your Spanish Bible have an exclamation point there? No? My Bible says, serve the Lord! Exclamation point. And if it seems evil to you, verse 15, to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in the land you dwell. But as for me, who's speaking here, brethren? Young people, who's speaking here? Joshua. 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 But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now you see something. You see that there's a generation. You see in Joshua a generation who says, as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Now watch what happens. There's going to come the next generation. Watch what happens. Look at verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of whom? It represents a generation. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. In other words, Joshua then died, and there was a generation that outlived Joshua. Now watch what happens, watch what happens. Who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And you might say, wow, that's awesome. They knew all the works of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a huge difference with knowing God and knowing his works. You see, Joshua, when he went into the tabernacle, do you remember when Moses would go into the tabernacle, what the Bible says about Joshua? He stayed right there. He stayed right there at the doors. He just wanted to know the Lord. And Joshua had a conviction of who the Lord was. Joshua knew the Lord on a very personal level. But this next generation that outlived Joshua, do you know what they knew about? They knew the works of God. They knew what he was able to do. So here, let me give you an example for just a minute. Joshua knew very personally how great God was because God had spoken to his life. This one, this generation, saw that through the life of Joshua, do you remember the enemies that were overthrown? How, how it was that Joshua went through in battle and they saw how the enemy was conquered? This generation looked at that generation. This generation saw the God of this generation and was like this. Wow. That's amazing. But as far as experiencing the presence of God, that was this generation. Go with me to the next book, to Judges. Judges, and then chapter 2. Just a few pages over. Judges, chapter 2. 
And look in verse 31. I'm sorry, verse 7. Judges chapter 2 and in verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. That's over here, the first generation. They served the Lord. They were in relationship with the Lord. They knew the Lord in an intimate way. Now keep reading. And it says, And all the days of the elders who what? Outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. We're talking about a huge, vast difference here. One generation in personal relationship, another generation who was just looking at. I have a question for you. Where are you? Are you in this generation? I'm not asking you about your age. I'm asking you about your personal relationship with the Lord. Are you part of this generation? Or are you part of this generation? Are you part of the generation who has such an intimate dealing with God? Such a closeness in His presence that you hear the voice of God very much in your heart. That the Lord directs your every step. That the Lord tells you where to go, tells you what to study, tells you what to do, tells you what to say, tells you when you're in a restaurant and there's a life in need, and prompts you and awakens you, tells you, hey, listen, you're spending too much on this. Yet this is not, this is a waste of your time. Are you a generation who is in relationship with the Lord? Are you a generation who is merely looking at what God is doing in another person's life? And you're going. Wow, God is great. Are you one of those who is in worship before the Lord? Or are you one of those who are singing songs about God? Or are you one who can describe who the Lord is because of who he is in your life? Or are you one who is listening to another describe how amazing God is in your going, Wow. Where are you? This generation will give birth to another generation. If you think that this is an okay place to be, I want you to know it's dangerous because it will give birth to the next generation. And watch what the scriptures say about that generation. Are you ready? Look in chapter 2, right where we're at, and in verse 10. <coughs> then the children, then, that next word, then, then, progressive, the next generation, then, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the who? But, but that's so different from verse 7. Verse 7 says the people served the Lord. And now, and now there's a second generation who knows the works of God, but then there's a third generation, then a third generation who the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord 
followed other gods? From among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to what? To anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. So this is a generation, guys, who's not only not in relationship to the Lord, and not only are they not hearing or seeing the works of God, but this is a generation who is bowed down to another God. And their hearts are turned away from the Lord. Where are you? Maybe some of you were listening to this generation and saying, I have no clue. I'm definitely not here. And then you were hearing about this generation who were seeing the works of God and going, wow! And you're like, but I'm not there either. Because, you know, you talk to me about God and I'm like, I'm here and I'm just like, what is this thing going to do? I'm here and like, it just doesn't hit, you know? It's like, there's no wow factor about God in the slightest. I walk out the door and it's like charged into whatever. And so I'm hearing about this third generation. And as scary as that sounds to me, and I, uh, <sighs> I kind of sound like that. I kind of sound like they're gods in my heart. Like I'm bowing my knee to another god. Like I have no inclination for the Lord. Like I have no desire for the Lord. That's generation. Lord, I don't even know the things that are in my heart. Lord, if there are things that if you heard were in my heart, it would scare the living daylights out of so many people. It, Gloria, there's stuff that was in Sodom and Gomorrah that's in my heart. I mean, I have a desire. I'm a girl, and I have a desire for girls. I'm a guy, and I have a desire for guys. Gloria, you don't even know what's in my heart. Gloria, you don't know how many people I've already slept with. And if I hadn't slept with them in my body, I slept with them in my mind. You don't know all the pornography I watch. Right there on my computer, it's right there on my phone, and I know how to erase my history, and my parents aren't smart enough, they don't know about technology, but I know it. You don't know everything that I've gone through. I'm this generation, and my heart is against God. And I know it's a bad place to be, but I'm freaking out, but that's where I'm at. And I want you to know something. Nothing scares God. Nothing freaks out God. God, you're amazing. God is your maker, and he does not abandon the work of his hands. 
the one who puts you in your mother's womb. He's the one who the psalm says fashioned you in your mother's womb. He's the one who saw that there was something else that was also fashioning you, forming you. It was sin. By the mere nature that you came from a sinful mother, because she came from a sinful mother, because she came from a sinful mother, because her mother was Eve, who became deceived, and father was rebellious against the word of the Lord. We're talking about a generation that was against God. And I want you to know that God knows where you're at, and he wants to do something in this. Because this is the generation that will proclaim the name of the Lord. This is the generation who says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These are the ones who the Lord did a work of growth in their life so that they were unrecognizable. Their baby picture, when you see their baby picture, they were unrecognizable. I don't even know who that is. Because God grew in their life in such a mighty way. Let me tell you how amazing God is. There was a king in the Old Testament who the Lord raised up at eight years old. Eight years old. We're talking about what the Lord wants to do. Forget about our age. Forget about, forget about who we are. Forget about whether we're poor, we're, we're rich, we're, we're too skinny, we're too fat. We're, when we have this background, we have the other background. Forget about your IQ. God is the one who chooses for his glory. I want to share with you a little bit more about these generations. Are you ready? Here we go. This is Joshua. This is the elders. And this is that next generation, the third generation, who bowed to other idols. Get this. This is the first-hand experience with God. This is a second-hand experience with God. This is no experience with God. This is a generation that has convictions. Their heart has conviction. This is a generation who believes. Yeah, we believe, but no conviction. No conviction. This is a generation who is faithless, zero faith. In fact, you know what they have? Lots of opinions. How many of us on a daily basis say, well, I think, well, I think, well, I think, I've just been counting that while I've been here in the last four days. And you know, you guys don't talk to me very much. I don't know what I have on my face, but you guys are just, I don't know. But anyway, I've heard some of you guys, and even as I've been around, I keep hearing you, I think, well, I think, well, but, well, I, 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 this is the I think generation. I ask you, so where do you believe God is calling you to? Well, I think. Well, what do you believe God is calling you to study, or what do you believe God is moving you towards in ministry? Well, I think, you see, Joshua would never say, I think. You know what Joshua would say? God has spoken to my life, and he has told me. It's not about me thinking. This is a generation who says, well, my dad says, well, the Sunday school teacher says, well, the Bible says I've got to. This is a generation who says, I think. 
generation who will, uh, let's be let's be careful, let's be cautious, let's take a risk for God. You know, He'll be with us. They say, but this is a generation who doesn't even understand risks. They're too busy living for themselves. There's another part of scripture, and I won't take you there because of time. This is a generation of David, a man after God's heart, a man after God's own heart. This is a generation of who was his son? Who was David's son? Solomon. And so here's Solomon, and Solomon, do you remember what we talked about yesterday? He had a what? A divided heart. Half-hearted. He had a son. Who was his son? Anybody remember the name of his son? Starts with an R. Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, do you remember what happened under Rehoboam? There came a point in Rehoboam's life when he became king. And he joined himself with all of the ones who were the counselors of his father and said, how shall I rule the people? They seem a little discouraged. What are we going to do? What should we do? No, his heart was not turned towards the Lord. His heart was just in his own opinions. He was looking for opinions. And, and here, they, so what are we going to do? Well, the father said, serve the people. Be a good king. Serve the people. They will serve you. He goes, hmm, that sounds a little weird. I'm king after all. I'm king. So then he went to his buddies, his friends, his own generation. And his own generation said, don't serve the people. Whip them. Make sure that they serve you good. Whip them with scorpions. Make sure that you rule hard. After all, this is the new generation. And you know what happened after that. This is a generation who doesn't think about God. They have their own opinions. Where are you, young people? Where are you? What generation do you belong to? Are you pleasing God? Are you looking at others? Or are you looking at self? Where are you? Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And you might say, yeah, but now, where are you going here? Listen, don't lose your attention. This is important. Because the God of Abraham, Abraham was called a friend of, what a closeness, what an intimacy. Isaac, on the other hand, Isaac, made sure that his life was at peace with everybody, no matter what the price was. He just wanted to be at peace. Think about it. Go back to the story of Isaac and hear it. He just wanted to be happy. Everybody, let's just be happy. You know, I, I just wanted to be a happy life. I saw the walk of my dad with his God. This is awesome. He's awesome, my God. Yes, you know, let's play church. It's good. I want to get married. Yes, this is good. And peace at any cost. That's this generation. Where are they looking at? 
no personal relationship. If it was, it was just not that with God. Then you give birth to another generation. Who is this generation? Abraham, Isaac. What did the name Jacob mean? The name Jacob meant that I'm also seducer, deceiver. And that's exactly what this generation was. He deceived and, and young people, I don't know where, this is a generation that seeks God. This is a generation that seeks success. And this is a generation that seeks self. This is a generation that seeks the holy word of God. This is a generation that seeks the people of God. Just to kind of be within the people of God. This is a generation that's seeking the world. This is a generation that knows the word of God is in the authority of God. This is the word, this is the one who takes the Bible as an academic book. Look at the Bible that's in your hand. Is that just academic to you? Is that just like another school book? Or is it life to you? This is a generation that doesn't even have the Bible. Where are you? I mean, I know that this is Sunday school. And I know that we're not supposed to get too deep here, but I'm going back. I'm leaving, and I have a burden for this generation. And I'm going to ask you a question. This is a generation who knows God as Lord, who bows their heart to him as Lord. Listen, this is a generation who knows God as Savior, but not Lord. And this is a, God, a generation who doesn't know God at all. Gracias por escuchar nuestra grabación de Pacto de Gracias, Campus Arkansas. Para más información, visítanos en nuestras páginas web, pactodegracia.org. .mx y facebook.com barra pacto de gracia Warren.